so suddenly these teams were taking the time to talk about their situation, but in the context of this is a moment, but where are we going? What do we want to become as a result of this moment? There's a little cartoon that I've seen pop up again and again over the years. It's a caterpillar and a butterfly sitting at a cafe table, each with glasses of wine. The caterpillar says, you've changed. And the butterfly replies, we're supposed to. You've changed is often wielded as negative feedback. And sure, I guess there are times when people change for the worse. But more often, you've changed means something more like you're not playing small like me anymore. No matter how much you know you're supposed to change, no matter how much you want to change and grow, leaving people and their expectations behind can hurt. But this is the process we're called into as business owners over and over again. I'm Tara McMullen, and this is What Works, the show that takes you behind the scenes to explore how small business owners are building stronger businesses. This week, we're wrapping up our series on leading ourselves by taking a closer look at who we're becoming and how we're changing to lead ourselves into the future. If you haven't heard the other episodes in this series, I highly recommend making time to do so. The first episode was with Emily Thompson from Being Boss and Almanac Supply Company. We talked about how she used a full body yes to make a big decision. The second episode was with coach and strategist Valerie Black about how she surfed the ebbs and flows this year as the pandemic rocked her business and her ego. Last week's conversation was with Alethea Fitzpatrick about how she's led herself and co-creating inclusion, her DEI consultancy, by focusing on what she can control and letting go of what she can't. Today, I'm talking to Melissa Emler, who leads a community of educators and administrators over at Modern Learners. As you might guess from the name of her company, Missy has been through the ringer this year. The pandemic brought an intense urgency to the work she's been doing and the change she's been trying to create in education for years. Suddenly, schools all over the world knew they needed a new approach to learning. But that wasn't the only thing creating twists and turns for Missy this year. In this conversation, you'll hear how Missy balances leading her company with working in the lab of her day job, the three-part framework she's used to lead educators through big change, and how she created space for conversation about injustice and systemic racism in education. Plus, you'll hear how Missy uses a key question about change and figuring out who we want to become to meet the moment to lead herself and others. Now, let's find out what works for Melissa Emler. Missy Emler, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this. My year has been wild. <laughs> yes, it has been. And I am also excited to, to talk about this as well. So yes, as you said, this year has been wild. Let's go back to the very beginning before we knew just how wild it was going to be, although it started pretty wild too. Um, so take us back to the beginning of 2020. What was going on in your business and your career at that time? And sort of what were you thinking your goals for the year were going to be? Right. So I own a business called Modern Learners. And at the beginning of 2020, Modern Learners went from a partnership to a sole proprietorship, essentially. I My business partners essentially were... Um, they retired and we call it promoted in the community because they're still very connected to the work and very much a part of the thought leadership 
connected to modern learners, but I am the one who is responsible for our community, our courses, our operations, marketing, everything. So we went from three people to one, which was a really exciting time for me and also a really scary time. However, um, I was starting off and we were going to do essentially a rebrand um, and a update to our business was confusing people. So we had modern learners and we had modern learners community and we had modern learners courses and we have all of these arms and branches of what it is we do and ultimately what we do. The mission at Modern Learners is to change. Now, this is going to be really ironic, but this is really what the mission was prior to the pandemic. But the the mission of Modern Learners is to change the experience of school and put a focus back on learning. And so that, that's been our mission always. We just were doing it in all these different ways. And so at the beginning of 2020, I was trying to unify the brand. And ultimately, we did that. And I'm still in the process of a web design and all of that. I'm hoping it'll be live in 2021. But ultimately, <laughs> we went from modern learners to modern learners community. And it's going to have a great fresh new look. But that was started in January. Amazing. Well, and this is not your only gig either, no. right? You also have a full-time job or a mostly full-time job or like yeah. what was going on career-wise for you at this right. time too? That's really an interesting question. So I have a day job. I work as an educational consultant for a regional service agency in Wisconsin where I live. And basically in that role, I serve 31 school districts as the director of innovation. And that really just means that I'm a jack of all trades. And when somebody needs to do something, they call me. Um, and so <laughs> it can mean anything from assessment to technology to career and technical education. I really do have just this really bizarre set of skills that really can help anybody do whatever it is they need to do. And so um, my contract at the service agency is 200 days a year. And so it amounts to about 15 to 17 days a month um, because we need to work all, all, all the every month of the year. So it's not like I have summers off. And so with that, and then with Modern Learners, essentially, I just work all the time. But it's both both pieces of what I do are very much my passion. And I think of it as in my day job, I serve my regional area. I actually see these people face to face every day. I can connect with them if I needed to by driving, you know, 20 minutes. If in the in modern learners i'm serving a global audience we have members from 31 different countries and all over the united states and canada so that work is much more on a global scale and really a lot of thought leadership i work with mostly school leaders central office folks at modern learners in my day job i work with anybody who serves children wow <laughs> so but essentially my belief systems are the same in both spaces. And that's what gets interesting. Yeah. I mean, it seems overwhelming, but also so complimentary. And I completely get like the benefit of having almost like a lab for the things that you're developing at Modern Learners. That's exactly what it is. And I can't give it up. 
and I can't give, I can't give it, I can't give my day job up. And I refuse to give modern learners up because of the <laughs> complimentary pieces. But it's especially hard to give it up because in my day job, I think of it as that's for my kids. That's for, mm. that, that is a direct impact on my own children's learning. And if I can't be in their classroom, I want to be able to impact the system that they exist in. And so that's really a dichotomy that I'm always constantly working through while also trying to serve people and and help them move their thinking. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Um, okay. So you have already alluded uh, to the pandemic. And, uh, you know, I think everyone listening knows that education has gone through a seismic change uh, over the last eight months. I would love, again, for you to kind of take us back to maybe early March, mid-March. When did you start to notice that that change was rapidly accelerating and that you were going to get called on for your unique set of skills in a new way? Right. So I actually knew before March 13th when the world, when the mm -hmm. U.S. essentially closed schools. Um in Modern Learners, we serve a global audience. And my former business partner um, actually is doing a lot of work with international schools. And so he had been saying to me, Missy, be ready. The schools in China are are down. They're, they're done. And like, this is going to come here. And I remember being at a conference for my day job. And one of my colleagues was um, intense, watching the news very intently because she was taking a trip to Italy uh, in the next minimal amount of time, right? Like she was mm -hmm. like, oh my goodness, this is a real thing. And she's a worrier. I'm not a worrier. But the look on her face told me I needed to pay attention. And then that connected to uh, my business partner saying, Missy, this is coming and you're going to need to be ready. And so I started to watch it and then I started to get like in uh, preparation mode, right? Like my birthday, which is March 1st. <laughs> and I started to get into preparation mode. And I remember making calls to different um, educational technology companies that we had worked with in my day job to make sure that we were able to um, increase our number of seats for students. And I was essentially basically getting tools established and in place for my region so that I had done all this legwork so that if something happened and they called and said, I need Nearpod, for example, for 200 students, I could say, no problem. Just log in with your Google and it'll all be billed to us. We'll take care of it. And then we'll get in touch with you. Right. So I had all of these systems sort of prepared for when that happened. And my colleague, who is like my second brain at my at my day job, she and I were putting out videos of like preparation and, and these are the things that we have ready for you when you need them. And we just had things ready, not ready for the magnitude that we experienced. But we were three or four days, five days ahead of the game. Yeah. How did that impact things on the modern learners side then? Um, the modern learner side, basically at that moment, we were just in the community sort of sharing 
the community members were sharing what was happening in their location. So a few of our international members were saying, yes, we've been out for a week. We're, we're going virtual tomorrow. And then, and then the U.S. went virtual. And so there was a little bit of like in our community, we also share experiences mm-hmm. versus giving advice as often as we can. And so it just made the experiences real. Yeah. Right. Like it, and, and even with the second wave, you know, Australia, was in school when when we were out and then they went out of school when we were going back. And so it was it was there's just this ebb and flow in the community and people were just sharing, you know, plans, right? Operational plans. That's what's really interesting is that the administrators, the school leaders, like the focus initially was on operations, which is really telling mm-hmm. about the purpose of school in America and all around the world, really, because we were thinking about the operational side of school. We were thinking less about learning. And that's that's where the interesting conversations come in. And I'm sure we'll get to that in a little bit, but that was essentially all of the conversations were about operations. Like, I'm going to make sure you have enough technology seats so that if your kids are at home, they just have to log in, right? Like, it was all operational and not a lot of learning focus at that point. Yeah. So do you think that that comes from sort of the like the emergency, like the urgency behind it is that we've just got to get this figured out first and then we can start thinking more about the experience? Yes, except that we're still figuring it out. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, So, yes, I think that that that's absolutely what it is. We had to get to some semblance of functioning. And that was very different across the United States. So Mm -hmm. in my day job, (laughs) when you ask, so one of the questions uh, that you just asked me was, when did I know it would change? Yeah. And the reality of it is, is I knew education was going to change is, is, has been in the process of changing for several years. Um, we are definitely recognizing that there needs to be a seismic shift in the field and in the work of education. And so with that, in my day job, I serve on a statewide, I serve on two statewide um, groups where I work with people from all over the state. And one of the groups is um, the technology innovation group, essentially. And the year prior to the pandemic, so 2019, we created um, what we were calling, like, it wasn't remote schooling. I can't even find the terms for it. But essentially, we had a plan in place in Wisconsin that allowed schools to essentially take virtual snow days or virtual learning days. And so we had all the systems in place, all the barriers of policies were removed. So, you know, you could um, just say tomorrow is a virtual learning day because you wanted to do something special for maybe the juniors or they were going to do something. So everybody else was going to be on a virtual learning day. And at the beginning, this is very funny story. So we, my agency in November of 2019 did a workshop and I walked them through this whole plan that my statewide team did. We have 31 schools and I did a workshop with mostly superintendents at the various schools and some principals and some curriculum people. 
50% of the districts decided to jump on board and go through the motions of getting ready for a potential virtual learning day. Mind you, the impetus was the 2018 winter where they were out for like 17 days of February. Oh, wow. And so that was the impetus for starting like, what are you going to do when you're out for 17 days because of weather? Well, we had a plan and 50% of my schools decided to walk through it and had in about three or four of the 31 districts had done a practice day to test the technology, to see who had devices, all of those pieces. We had practiced in three or four schools, <laughs> but 50% didn't think that that was even going to happen and the state would never allow that. And the parents and the board, they're never going to allow this virtual learning stuff. We're just going to take a snow day because you know what? Kids deserve a snow day. <laughs> I'm not laughing and I don't mean to mock them, but I even believe that kids deserve a snow day sure. all the time. There's not a better call in the morning than it's a snow day. But the fact that they were, they just ignored the opportunity to explore a way that we could shift was really bothersome to me at the time. And fast forward three months and there were no options. So Wisconsin actually expected learning to continue. The continuity of learning was an expectation. So they couldn't just say, we're shutting down and we'll come back in September. Mm -hmm. That wasn't going to work. In our state, they actually had to, I mean, it was obviously different, but the expectation was that the continuity of learning would continue. Gotcha. Okay. story. I hadn't remembered all of that until I'm like retracing and telling the story. So yeah, it's great well, it's, it. yeah. And I think, you know, obviously it says so much about like the power of planning ahead and like when you see the writing on the wall, don't ignore it, even if it's scary or confrontational to your like fundamental beliefs about operating. It, it, right. it pays to, like you said, just go through the steps, even, even if you're still not fully operational, having that awareness of what even what the plan could look like is could be so helpful. Great business lesson on top. For sure. And the the permission piece. Yeah. So in schools, we are governed by policy after policy after policy. And when a person who has a direct connection to people who make the policies and carry out the policies, meaning me, because I'm on the statewide team. When I stand in front of you and say, the state has given you permission to consider a virtual learning option. You've had floods, you've had tornadoes, you've had snow days. What happens if people get sick, right? So this could also be happen if you have the influenza mm-hmm. go through your school. And so I'm standing in front of them saying these things and 50% of them said, okay, it'll, it will cross that bridge when we get there. The other 50% sort of went through the motions and then four of the 31 practiced. And so it was, that's just how it works, right? You always have to have somebody go first Yep. and the first follower is, is okay. But in terms of planning ahead, it made a huge difference. Now, it didn't take long to close the gap of those that didn't practice because, you know, you had to. But it's been an interesting, it's been interesting to see how all of the schools are managing all of that. Yeah, absolutely. You'll hear what happened when Missy offered Modern Learner's core course for the first time after lockdown in just a minute. But first, a word from our What Works partners. 
What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. 2020 has taught us the value of connecting with people who share our values, interests, or goals, even from afar. We're all craving a sense of community and belonging. Since you're listening to What Works, I know there's something that you're passionate about that you could bring people together around. Maybe it's a goal of retiring at 45, or it's a minimalist lifestyle, or maybe it's creating more accessible neighborhoods. No matter what fuels you and your drive to bring people together, Mighty Networks can help. When you start Mighty Network, you're creating a private, dedicated home for the people who care about what you care about to gather, trade notes, and lift each other up. Your Mighty Network can be a place where people learn, grow, and make new friends. Now, don't worry. You don't need to be a developer, a designer, or even an experienced community builder to make your Mighty Network work. Your new Mighty Network will guide you through the whole process and set you up for success. To get started free of charge, go to MightyNetworks.com. That's MightyNetworks.com. What Works is also brought to you by the What Works Network. Now, I've often been asked how it is that I can change and pivot as an entrepreneur without losing the thread, how it is that I've gone from a blogger to a business coach, to a trainer, to a community builder, to a producer over the years. And this has always been a tricky question for me because in my mind, the real question is, how could I not change and pivot? Life and business is a process of change. There is no magical destination called the land of got it figured out. There is only the continual process of learning, growth, and adaptation. Creating is change. Being in service is change. Connecting with others is change. I'm feeling the need to share this with you today because as we approach the end of this year, I know our thoughts naturally go to the distance between where we are and where we hoped to be. We wonder when things will ever start to feel settled, complete, fixed. And my mind drifts in this direction too. But how would things be different if we accepted, even embraced change, learning, and adaptation as features instead of bugs? What if we said, of course I'm in a different place than I thought I'd be at the end of this year. Look at how much I've learned. What resources and relationships would you need to support yourself in that kind of reality? Because really, that's the only reality we have. My answer has always been and continues to be that the resources I need to support myself are relationships. It's the people I practice with that allow me to change, adapt, and grow. It's also the practice itself. It's the tools I use, the systems I've created, and the spaciousness I've allowed myself to evolve. I don't always get it right, but I always come back to the people and the practice. My sincere wish for you as we start to close out 2020 is that you find or reconnect with your own people and practice so that you have what you need to head into a brave new year. If you haven't found your people in practice, I invite you into our circle and our practice here at the What Works Network. You'll get access to a community of experienced small business owners, plus the new Stronger Business Playbook and our January session of the Commitment Blueprint, plus all of our monthly events, conversations, and support. Lock in the support you need to grow through 2021. Go to explorewhatworks.com slash network.
All right, let's get back to the modern learner side and sort of how that mm-hmm. business has adjusted to meet demand in a different way, I guess, probably in a more urgent way. Um, You were very much on the forefront of the evolution of education. And and like you said, the change that people knew was coming. You guys were ahead of that. And now, you know, given the whole world being thrust into this situation, now you're on the front lines and you are doing triage and you are, you know, you're figuring this stuff out with people. Um, when did things start to change from you? You mentioned that immediately it was the operational side of things that, that people were, you know, sharing plans, sharing like how they were managing on a day to day basis. When did you start to see the shift change to a focus on the learning experience or did you see that change? Yeah. So the blog post that I wrote for Modern Learners at the very beginning of this talked about the three phases of response that schools and communities and businesses will likely go through. So first of all, the phase one is the contingency plans. Like, what are you going to do when this happens and and trying to be ahead of the contingency? And then there's the continuity. Like, okay, how are we going to sustain this dependent upon how long or the magnitude of the pandemic? So what's the continuity? How do we keep what we're doing as a contingency going and then keep what works and sort of go back to what worked before and what's Mm -hmm. the balance of all of that. But phase three, I defined as transcendence, Mm -hmm. that becoming of something new. And so in April, we offered these open forums and we would have like 200 or 300 people on the call. And we were just taking questions and listening to experiences and, and supporting them and finding resources. And from that, it became evident. And and Tara, you know this because I would have these conversations in What Works. It's like, I don't think this is the right time to offer the course that we always offer, which is called mm-hmm. Change School. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, I don't really know that. I mean, clearly it's changed. Um, however, those forums helped us realize that everything that we had done for the last four years in Change School was actually really, really important. Um, And we were giving them a way to think through from the contingency to the continuity. And then through Change School, they would work or have a foundation to work towards the transcendence that is based on a framework that um, is not you know, the framework, what goes into the framework is very specific to their local communities and their local context. But the framework, understanding your beliefs about learning, the context, what's happening in the modern world for learning, and then the practices that enhance learning. When you put all three of those together, you can sort of talk about learning in any situation. So we offered change school and it was the biggest change school we had had Um, in four or five cohorts. And it was phenomenal. And the best thing about um, essentially change school cohort 10, essentially, that's what they were. uh, The best thing was that they came in teams. Mm. So suddenly these teams were taking the time to talk about their situation. But in the context of this is a moment, but where are we going? What do we want to become as a result of this moment? And so that's the question we ask in in Modern Learners all the time. 
what do we want our students to be? What do we want our learners to be? What do we want them to become? And we have to ask that of ourselves and our systems. What do we want to be? What do we want to become? And so that's that's essentially what happened. We we opened this open forum, took all these questions, entertained these ideas and just supported people. And then we realized in that moment that change school was what people needed. And um, so we opened the cohort and it went out, went off great. And then the second pandemic hit the racial Mm. injustice that we experienced all over the country is rocking schools to the core. It is going to be the reason that schools will adjust to the pandemic and come out completely different. Because if they're not adjusting their operations for uh, the modern context and the impact that technology can have and the anywhere, anytime learning opportunities, they have to address the systemic racism that's happening inside of all of our schools. And that work has been building steam and has had legs, but never like it's had legs in this moment because we have seen as a result of the pandemic, a complete inequity of internet services. Um, I live in Wisconsin and in Milwaukee is one of the major urban areas where internet service providers will not even consider entering like a five by five block radius. And so even if you can pay your bill, you cannot get internet in that. Oh my God. Five block by block. It's the modern day version of, you know, gaslighting and just preventing, um, for equity from happening. And then, and they'll, and it's obviously rooted in poverty and racism. And so, state education systems are now addressing those issues uh, because it impacted our learners. Yeah. Right. In a big way. And, and, and so, yeah, it impacted our learners. So that was the second pandemic. And that is going to be the work that sustains any change that happened as a result of the, the health and wellness pandemic. Mm-hmm. Right. The the racial injustice that we experienced is also very much connected to health and wellness in our schools. And so together, these two pieces are going to be the impetus for the transcendence. It cannot be the way it was. Yeah. I think we're seeing that um, with a lot of small business owners as well, is that they were they kind of got forced into making some operational changes early on. And then, uh, you know, June brought about this reckoning where they had to say they, they had to get clear on their values. They had to get clear on how to operationalize those values. Uh, And I think, like you said, it's leading to this deeper level of change. And I appreciate you um, surfacing that because I'm not sure that a lot of people are necessarily aware of it. They know like they know they're going through it, but I don't know if they necessarily see that connection the way you just described it. And I think it I think it crosses over quite a bit. I want to go back to the to the idea 
this question of what do we want to become as a result of this moment? Um, I think that's an incredibly powerful question. And, you know, this month's theme is all about leading yourself. And so my question to you is looking back over this year, who do you want to become as a result of the changes that you've experienced and the, the direction that you're taking your business and career now? Right. So the biggest thing I've learned is that I know a lot, but it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because what's happening now is everything that I've hoped for forever. And it's that people are learning. So my mantra in life is that I'm not asking you to change. I'm asking you to learn. Mm. And that is coming. That is exactly what's happening right now is that people are learning and learning is automatic, natural, social, and it's going to happen whether you are in a physical school building or not. And business owners are learning, right? Communities at at large are learning. And that's what I love. And so what my, what I'm doing and what I think is really the most important thing is creating the conditions for learning to happen. So inside of the community, I'm asking questions. I'm I'm soliciting people to share their experiences that I think will impact somebody else. I am connecting people. Uh, a principal from Pontiac, Illinois called me and he said, Missy, I have to reach out to you because in Change School, we talked about this one school that did this one thing. And I said, oh, yes. And I sent the link that he needed. And I said, and when you talk about this, reach out to Bob in Philadelphia because he really needs to get behind what you're doing. So loop that conversation together. And I think you'll 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 be able to go places and have some critical friends in external areas so that you're not the only one making these changes. And so really creating the conditions for that to happen and that learning to take place is extremely fun and rewarding for me. And I don't have to give them every book that I've read to sort of learn and know what I know. Um, for them to understand or to come to their own learning. People are going to come to their own learning in their own time. And that's what I'm trying to lead is not leading to a specific solution, but I'm trying to lead them to learning and to be excited about that again and excited about the opportunity of what their personal new learning will bring to their business or to their school. And and specifically, One thing that we did to serve Modern Learners community was after Change School launched, we still have a large community inside of our space in Mighty Networks, but we also have a a large community that relies on our media that we produce. Mm -hmm. And my one of my community managers said to me, Missy, we've got to do a conference like we we we've got to do it. And. I had attended a conference for community builders on one of my lowest days where I was exhausted. And I was like, I can't think about anybody else except me right now. And so I, of course, when I need to rejuvenate, I learn, like Mm -hmm. I find something to learn. And so I found a really awesome platform uh, for online conferences at the CMX conference. And what that did was sparked the conference of conversations um, in our own community and we we had a conference of conversations where there were no presentations. We had one keynote speaker to kick it off and there were no presentations, PowerPoints, slideshows, no nothing allowed. <laughs> and all we did was 
the sessions were labeled by questions and we, it was amazing. And so we had about 500 and some people join us for the conference of conversations on this brand new platform that we had to learn and practice and take a leap of faith with. And then the day after the conference, everybody said, what's that platform? How can I use it? (laughs) What can I do? (laughs) And so actually, uh, just how businesses connect and work, my cousins own a business that served C-suite executives, and they would entertain them at the Masters, the Kentucky Derby, all these major fancy sporting events. And they would take the fanciest C-suite executives on these excursions. And then everything was canceled. And so they had been in a pause mode for two and a half months and there was panic setting in and our family is really close. So I, I could see it in their faces. And after the conference of conversations, I said, yo, I can't do this, but you can. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, I hooked them up with the platform and all of the people who were asking about it and they became a certified partner, um, with, the uh, pl- the online learning platform, online conference platform, and now they've been doing conferences. We've, I think, and I've been supporting them, Modern Learners, because a lot of them are people who address the education community. So between their business and Modern Learners, we've been supporting people in starting and hosting their own online learning conferences in a very virtual world, and everything pivoted. But it all goes back down to what is the design that you want that will create the conditions for learning. So that's ultimately my goal in everything I do is to create the conditions for learning. I love that. Missy, you talk so eloquently about how you care for others, how you listen to others, how you create those conditions for learning. I would love to hear how you have cared for yourself this year because you have- not well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, and that's a learning experience in and of itself, right? But what are, tell, maybe maybe a, a good way to kind of get into this is like, tell us, if you will, if you don't mind, about a low yeah. point that you went through, a specific low point that you went through this year, and what steps you took to get on the other side of it. Right. So I started out the year amazing, Right. I finished, I can't, you know, beach body 100 day morning meltdown or something. Uh-huh. I can't even remember. My neighbor and I, um, we did that together in from January through the pandemic. It took that long. Uh, and we would take our morning pictures with our masks on because we were at each other's house and that's not kosher, right? So anyway, she's now in my pod. We're good. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we we did the 100 days and um, and then I hurt my back because I was working from a chair that I should like a recliner because I was sick in my office. Um, and so I didn't work out for a couple of days and then we got back and we did this other six week program and we did great. And then July happened and I got sick and I quarantined for a week thinking that I had COVID. I did not have COVID. Turns out I needed a gallbladder surgery and I had never had a gallbladder attack. Never, I had, didn't even know anything was happening. And I thought I had the I thought I was sick. I thought I had COVID. And so then I went to the the hospital and they said, yep, um, you definitely need a gallbladder surgery. Uh, Contact the surgeon right away on Monday. And if you, if this, this or this happens, uh, come back right away. Well, this, I, I ended up throwing up and I got sick. So I had to go back the next night. They admitted me. And six days later, I had a gallbladder surgery. 
Oh my God. Yeah, it was terrible. I was in this hospital all by myself because nobody could visit me. All by myself waiting for a gallbladder surgery that the surgeon wasn't sure it was the gallbladder, even though I had done all the tests and it was definitely the gallbladder. But he's like, you have other symptoms that just don't seem like a gallbladder because I had a massive headache. That was Mm -hmm. all I had. That was the only sickness. So that was more virus-like, blah, blah, blah. Well, then I would listen to the nurses and the doctors be panicking about the increased number of of, um, COVID patients. And then I heard them in the hallway talking about they might close down surgeries. And I just started to have this major panic as I'm in the hospital for six days. Uh, Finally, finally I had the gallbladder surgery and I left the hospital literally 4.5 hours after I came out of surgery. (laughs) So it's a little bizarre. And my advice was don't get sick during COVID. But during that time, I couldn't do anything. I was literally sick. And then coming back, I was like ready to get back. And it took a while because I was exhausted. So I came back after a week and I couldn't believe how tired I was. Um, But ultimately, in terms of taking care of myself, there are pieces um, of me that need more work than like taking care of myself because what happens is when I get into my work mode and this year has been an extreme work mode, mm-hmm. um, I'm in my house, but, um, absent, right? So my husband has been angry with me. My kids, they don't ever get angry with me. They sort of understand what I do. And they always, all they have to do is interrupt my zoom meeting, come in and tell me what they need. And I address their needs and, um, we, we have, I always do the same things with the kids, but my husband would tell you that I work way too much. And so, um, I'm starting to figure that out with him and I'm not good at it at this moment. It takes a lot of practice, but one thing that I'm attempting to do is to stop working by five, which allows me to make dinner and just shut my brain off. But not having to go to an office or not even be able to go to the public library or a co-working space has probably been detrimental to me. Mm. Not necessarily my creative work or my my learning, but definitely my willingness to engage with things that aren't my work. So I definitely, definitely need to work on that. So, and I don't know that I don't know that I felt a low point other than just like the constant, like I haven't had any downtime other than when I got sick. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was like stressful because I'm in a hospital that who knows what the heck's going on. Um, And then I would say one other low point that this will identify with every parent. One of the biggest struggles for me is knowing how to support my children and knowing that their school environment could do something better or different. Mm -hmm. And so that is really hard for me to not become the advice giver in those moments because it has a direct impact on my children. And so another low point was probably two weeks or three weeks after school shut down And my kids' school did not have it together. And yet they had every single tool they needed to have it together. Like they just had everything they needed and they weren't executing. And I had been training them for how many years in advance? Mm -hmm. 
So my low point came on a day and I called their principal who happens to be a good friend of ours. We do supper club club together and everything. And I, I started bawling and I said, please let me help you because I need to get my kids doing what they need to be doing. Let me help you. And so after he got over me being bossy, he did let me help and it did get better. Um, and so it, I always feel better after I can help because otherwise I get that, all this pent up anxiety. I just have to work on my approach to like offer the help. I'm really good at that in my, in my modern learners community. And I'm really good at that in my day job, but in my kid's school, darn it, you got to do it the way I say. <laughs> so I have this dichotomy of where I am, but they're starting to figure me out. <laughs> yeah, I think that probably a lot of people can relate to that. There are some things I do really well at work that I do absolutely terribly at home. Sean will attest to that. <laughs> so yeah. Um, all right. So as we start to wrap up here, I'm curious about how you're how you are approaching planning for what's next, because there is still so much uncertainty. There is still so much evolution to happen in the work that you do or the, the people that you're working with and the institutions that you're working with. When you think about what you're planning for business wise or even just philosophically toward uh, 2021 and beyond, what are you kind of running through in your head? The rebrand. So I'll bring us back to mm -hmm. where we started. So as I said, we were modern learners. We were modern learners community, modern learners courses, modern whatever. We are now modern learners community because I want to lead a community and I want to create other people who can support other people. <laughs> I can't take on the weight of the world because I also get very bored. I get bored very easily. Like I do not want to teach Google Classroom or mm -hmm. Google Docs 100 days a year. I can't do that. Um, however, there are definitely people inside of our community that I want to raise their voices up and I want to lift them up and, and have them support each other. And so um, originally our community was very much built around the thought leadership of my business partners. And while I have some thought leadership capabilities um, and I have some beliefs that I like to pontificate on at times, <laughs> I want the community to be the space where people grow and learn because we create the conditions that are not do this module first, do this module second, do this module third. And so going forward in 2021, Modern Learners Community will be Modern Learners Community everywhere. And so all of the focus will be on um, reaching out for support within the community and raising those community people raising up their voices, which means I've had to do um, significant reaching out for people of color um, inside of our community to to bring their voices in. And since I've done that, it's been a really great learning experience um, that will is allowing us to touch on sort of that second pandemic um, that we couldn't have done without them. So again, going forward, um, I'm really looking at those uh, pricing f formats, like not necessarily sliding scale, but mm -hmm. different opportunities to make sure we recognize the different entry points um, and that kind of thing. Because essentially our, our business model was based on selling change school. Well, 
changeable isn't enough. There's always something that's needed after it. And there's always an onboard to get to it. And so we have to figure out how to become a community and make that offer when it makes the most sense and not on a typical three times a year calendar that doesn't, it comes up when nobody's really expecting it. We need to um, spread the model. And so if somebody needs it next week, there'll be somebody in the community that can lead it. And so that's the shift. We're spreading the work. I love that. Love that. Love that. Missy, what are you excited about? I'm excited about Christmas (laughs) (laughs) because I know that I take Christmas and the following week off to do nothing work related. It's the only time that I can convince myself that I don't need to do anything because the world isn't doing anything either. So I am excited for the holiday break and I might extend it. Um, And I'm also excited about taking time in 2021 to figure out if I need to be in all these places at once and how I can serve both my regional community and the modern learners community as just one piece, Mm. right? Like that, all of it just becomes my work and I don't have to think about when I'm doing what. And so- I just need some space and time to think about that. For now, I just got to do both. But I'm thinking, how am I going to get to doing one thing? Wonderful. Missy Emler, thank you so much for sharing how you've led yourself and your community and your region through this wild year and all of the opportunity and challenges that it has posed. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And all you parents homeschooling, you got this. You got it. Who do you want to become to meet this moment? 2020 has been a challenge. We've all been through something, and we're coming out of it with a different look at ourselves, our businesses, and our world. 2021 will be its own challenge. Now is the time to decide who we want to become to meet that moment. Who do you need to become to live your vision? Who do you need to become to lead your business? It will take time and care to grow into the people we want to be, but we can start making that change and enjoying the rewards of growth now. Find out more about Melissa Emler and Modern Learners at modernlearners.com. And we're taking next week off. And when What Works returns in January, we'll have a series of conversations all about working the plan. It'll be the perfect way to kick off a new year and embrace the energy and ambition of the moment. The What Works podcast is just one thing we do to support small business owners like you. You can take the conversations we have here further, get support for your own business questions and challenges, as well as create a consistent practice of working on your business inside the What Works network. Lock in a year of growth and support by going to explorewhatworks.com slash network. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode was edited by Marty Seafelt. Our production assistants are Kristen Runvik and Lou Blazer. Get more What Works delivered to your inbox every Thursday with our newsletter, What Works Weekly. I'll share a personal letter with you each week, as well as my handpicked resources for building a stronger business. Go to explorewhatworks.com slash weekly to sign up. 